The Valley Hub Stories podcast acknowledged the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, Gumbangia Country. We acknowledge their continuing connection to and care of country throughout time. Welcome back to the Valley Hub Stories podcast. We're so happy you're joining us for this episode. Today, I'm chatting with a local radio and music identity, Vicky Maloney. You will probably recognise Vicky's voice from her work at local radio station to NVR. She has an interesting story, many interesting stories, in fact, from radio trade secrets through to bringing her own personal family history into song. We cover a lot in this episode, and yet I think you'll have more questions. I know I did. So, without further ado, let's jump in. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. That's all right. Thanks for the invite. I'm quite chuffed, actually. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about who you are? Well, I'm Vicky Maloney, well known around the district for various things. Some good, some bad, I suppose. Um, mainly because of um, my work with 2NVR and uh, working with the clubs, getting entertainment and all that sort of thing and publicity and photography and all of that around town. Been living here since 1993 from Sydney initially. Got three kids, ten grandkids, you know, so life's pretty hectic. Mm. Yeah, so, it's, you know, that's just uh, me in a nutshell. Uh, how was the transition moving from Sydney to Nambucca Valley? It's funny. Uh, we hadn't planned to do it when we did. My parents were already up here because Dad used to come up here. He had farms and, you know, farming family up here. And his plan was to retire up here and then uh, yeah, his own property sort of thing, you know. And they retired up here. And then we were at uh, living at Blue Haven when all the big boom of the blue, you know, Blue Haven and Wyong and all that were taking off with the big housing developments. And we ended up there and doing bit work and that's when long homes went bust. And we were involved in the bust. So we had no work. <laughs> and uh, Dad just came down one day and turned around and said, I think it's time you moved up to Nambucca with us if you don't mind. And I said, well, I'm not really ready for that out in the bush kind of situation. <laughs> he said, too bad, you're coming. So within a week we were had the dogs, the kids, uh, the horse <laughs> and everything all packed up, moving up to Maxwell when we actually ended up out at Missabody, just up the road from Mum and Dad's property for all about six months. And then we ended up buying a property out at Yatungan. We didn't really look back after that. It was just ideal. Yeah. Bush and beach, that was our big thing. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Sure. Um, so tell me about your time in radio, as you mentioned before. Yeah. That's, uh, I was, while I was in Sydney, I used to do a little bit of work with um, Triple M and Uncle Doug. And I was what they used to call back in those days a ring-in. So if they needed a topic that needed to be talked about, they knew that I could talk because I was involved in music and bands and everything down there so we could have a really, you know, we used to have really good conversations and got to know Dougie pretty well and he'd just go, oh, ring Vic, got to ring Vic, we'll get Vic on it. But I was always like, 
Nikki from Penrith or I wasn't the, it wasn't actually me. I was, as they say, a ring in. Then when we got up here, I started doing stuff with Star FM mm-hmm. at Port Macquarie and the same thing started happening. If they needed somebody to talk about a topic, they'd ring me, you know. You get a phone call at 6.30 in the morning. We're talking about this at 7 o'clock. Are you available? Yeah. yeah. Give me a cup of tea <laughs> and I, all of that. And um, with Sarah and QE. And we, we became really good mates and Sarah said, you really should think about doing some radio yourself. Mm. And I said, oh, no, I've got kids and, you know, too tied up with the kids at the moment and the farm and all of that. And she said, oh, well, you know, it's always there. And then we saw in one of the, I think it was what they called the Hibiscus Happenings back then, that yeah. glorious little magazine we used to get every week. Mm. Our lives revolved around I that know. magazine. I know, they did. <laughs> Something came up in there about, you know, train as a radio presenter and I sort of thought, oh, that would be great. But at that point I thought community radio, that will give me a feel whether I want to take it any further. And then Dave was away working with railways so I didn't have someone here to back up with the kids if I had to go off and do a show. Yeah. So I let it go for about another 12, 18 months and then they advertised again and Dave was home by that time full time so it was like, yep, I'm doing this. Yeah. I went in, did the training, went really well and I had two shows in the start. One was just like the um, top 40, what was happening at the time and then the other was just sort of a mixture of everything. But in the processes, I got to know a few people through, you know, up here in the music game and then uh, John Logan, Logan Entertainment, and he started saying, oh, you know, I need somebody to help me out doing promotion and all of this. And I said, yeah, I can do a bit of that. That'll be fine. And I had artists contacting me and saying, you know, because you set up your Facebook page then. Yeah. And people see that you're in radio and they're an artist that's coming to Maxwell. I'd be like, oh, we'll get hold of Vicky and we'll get her to do the poster run and all that. And then it's just sort of evolved from there. You know, it just sort of got bigger and better and still going 15 years later. Mm. <laughs> uh, you must have met lots of interesting people, but I want to ask about the the, ra- the Sydney radio culture and oh. what that was like. That was pretty wild because uh, that was another thing that came into sort of play too while I was in Sydney, even before I got married, I was a merch chick, you know, and I could say the other word, but I won't. Um, you know, so I was a merch chick and uh, I used to work with the Deltones. Yep. So we got to travel around a fair bit with them and then the girl that I worked with, my best friend Sally, she ended up as manager of the Deltones and then we ended up getting the likes of James Blundell as a support or someone like that. And then her brother worked in the industry as well. He was a, a roadie. So we ended up sort of going to all these gigs with Noiseworks, YYNE, the Farris Brothers, which were then turned into NXS, got to meet the beautiful Michael. Yep. Oh, beautiful man. You know, it just, everything evolves then, you know, sort of. And then we got into the whole singing and music stuff because I used to do singing and all that at school. I was in the school band and we sort of went back to that a little bit and I just sort of didn't feel comfortable at that point. You know, but then it just sort of, once people know you're in the industry, it's sort of like, oh, you know, there's Vicky and Sal. We'll go and talk to Vicky and Sal. Yeah, but the radio, the crews down there, like Uncle Dougie was just, he was as crazy off air as he was on air. But then you did see a, a more uh, 
I suppose, what's the word? You could stay stable side of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was, a, he was a good bloke. He was a top bloke. Loved him to death. He was so nice. And, you know, and he even with when I got up here with Sarah and Kiwi, you know, they sort of said, oh, Kiwi said something one day. They were at a gig somewhere down in something that came up. They had tickets to go to and it was at like, you know, one of those radio awards and they mentioned something about, oh, we got Tricky Vic. She comes on air and he said, the minute I said Tricky Vic, Dougie was like, you got Tricky, you got Tricky. <laughs> and she's a good chick, that one, you know, and off he went. So, yeah, you know, it was nice to sort of be recognised by the big Dougie. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, like you sort of get into the radio, you get into the band side of things and everything just sort of, you, you look at a family tree and it all just branches off and you get to do different things. And like even now I do the radio but I do the publicity and I do the photography mm. and, you know, and they've all led to awards and nominations and everything. It's been just really crazy actually when you sit back and think about it. So who would be the most interesting person that you've met during your time in radio in Sydney? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Like in the country, like people say, oh, who's your favourite country music star? And I go, they're not stars to me, they're all mates. And and that's how it is. We're all one big family. And then you go to Tamworth in January and that's like a big family reunion. Yeah. The most interesting person I've met would have to be, that's really hard because um, they're all interesting in their own way, you know, like to even... So I still even pinch myself now to think that I've got Lee Kernigan doing my show pointer, you know, like he's part of my promo yeah. on 2NVR, you know, and that was hysterical doing that. We did that just sort of like over the phone, like a, you know, thing like this. It was just one of those funny afternoons, you know, but everybody's interesting in their own way, mm. you know. Like I said, Uncle Dougie was amazing. Grant Goldman was a big supporter of mine uh, before he passed away and he always said to me, I need you to come to Sydney. I want you to come down and do the show with me. And I never, never got to do it and I kick myself now because, you know, he said, I want you to come down and we'll talk country, you know, and um, all that sort of thing. And even with the um, ICMAs now, he's remembered by one of our awards that we, we give out every year, which is the Independent Country Music Artists. Of Australia, we have that award every year in Tamworth, and he, we've now got him named on one of our awards. So you know, and there's been lots of people, you know, like Joy McKean. She's she's a lovely lady, a bit left of centre with the the radio things. I actually got to meet one of the politicians, and everybody bags her out. <laughs> the redhead, Julia Gillard. No, the other one. <laughs> Please explain. Uh, Pauline Hanson. Pauline. She's a surprise. Yeah. She is a big surprise. She was at the Tamworth and we were on the red carpet and we just sort of started talking and I was sitting there thinking, you're not as ditzy as you come across. You know, she is just very misunderstood. Like she has problems getting across, I think. What she, but point, we had, yeah. yeah. We had a great conversation, you know, with her and Chuggy, Michael Chug. Yeah, oh, that guy's a legend. Just love him to death of Chug Entertainment. Before you mentioned Michael Hutchins. Yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful yeah. man, absolutely genuine. Yeah. Comes across as a bit aloof, 
but once you get to know him and get to talk to him and, and all of that, like we've still got Andrew around at the moment. He's actually heavily into the country music stuff and we sort of see each other. G'day. Yeah. How you going? Yeah, good. You know, he was very sort of sometimes he came across as a lost soul, you know, just because of uh, the way he was. Yeah. And But his music and just him as a performer and as a person, like beautiful, that's all I can say. Yeah. So have you always been a bit partial to country or was that sort of a pathway that you that you found yourself on through radio? Well, that came about because like getting back to the John Logan connection, once people found out you're in radio, you start getting people sending you CDs. And I had a lot of CDs coming in and I'm sort of going, I like that band. I like them. And I was a bit of a country because I had a mother who was a mad music person from Beethoven through to Billy Thorpe, you know. She she had a wide range of what she liked and we all learnt that. We all had music in us. Mum used to be a jazz singer. My father was a jazz pianist. Music's always sort of been a bit of an element in the family. And then when I started listening to some of these CDs, I'm thinking, God, these guys should be on, you know, commercial radio. Why aren't they getting played? They're well enough, yeah. you know, to be and good enough, but... Commercial radio in Australia doesn't like country music. Yeah. And I've seen it happen. I was down at um, 2MC doing a thing down there with Gary O'Callaghan and the, they see the country music or see the word country on a CD and it goes straight over to that pile. It doesn't even get considered for airplay. Yeah. Unless they're American and like Keith Urban or Carrie Underwood, which is wrong. We've got, we've got artists that are just as good. Just as good, but commercial radio won't play them. So I thought I'll still do the still do the top forty and current stuff on one show, and then I started dedicating everything to to country in one show, and that show took off better than the other one. And I was getting more interest with people because I was playing the current country stuff, and it just went from there. What do you like about country music? To me, it's like the personalisation of a story. Like it's, mm. it's such a, a method of storytelling as opposed to, you know, your pop or your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop usually leads into that whole... It's about feelings and, and everything, but it's more, more about the music, mm. more about the beat and trying to get the words to fit. Where with country music, they do the words and then they get the music to fit. Yeah. And... Everything's so personal, you know. Like we've, we've, there is actually 96 genres of country music yep. when you start looking. And well, we've got a bit of a little, little tiny smidgen of uh, hip-hop coming through the country, but that's because of the American influence, you know. But then we've got one band, you know, at the moment who are doing the whole a cappella thing and I'm not going to say who they are because I just don't want to get into that. But, you know, I, I like a cappella and I, I'm really fussy about a cappella. And if you want to know what a cappella is, that's where they just sing and use their voices as the instrument. I was working with the Deltones, which were the best a cappella band in Australia. So I get a bit fussy about the a cappella. <laughs> like, you know, they're good guys and, you know, they mean well, but I just, yeah, it's not the same. And country music... Um, like I said, I was a mad, mad on like Slim Dusty, John Williamson. I actually met in the Sydney radio side of things, so we hooked up again 
once I got back into it. And that was the other thing with doing the radio. I hooked up again with a lot of music mates yep. from Sydney that thought, oh, you're up here. Oh, we're touring up there and come and see us, you know, and we ended up doing merch for them and, you know, just everything evolves around it. But the whole country music thing is that, like you said, it's about the story. They get the story first and then they fit the music to it where on the other genres, you know, like with commercial radio, like the pop and all that, and some of it's too repetitive. You get some of those songs that you listen to and it's the same, same set of words. They probably change two lines in a verse but yep. everything else is the same, mm-hmm. you know. Each each verse has got two different lines to the previous one but it's all the same. Like I do have my favourites, like don't get me wrong, you know, I've got favourites in the, the general consensus of things but, um, yeah, I just like country music and I like the people better. Yeah. After working in both sides, I like the country music people better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about your time uh, with 2NVR and... Can you tell me a little bit of history? For those who aren't aware, 2NVR is our local radio station. Yeah, Nambucca Valley Radio. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, well, like I said, it all started because of the little ad in the, the happenings and it just sort of grew from there. And then naturally when the rally came through as well, I had rally connections so I could get passes to the the rally, I could get passes to the clubs for the bands that were appearing, you know, that sort of as giveaways. I was on the committee for a bit, you know, that sort of thing. It's just there's been a really long sort of thing. I've won awards for my show over in Tamworth, you know, the meet and greet. I got the presenter of the year and um, I think that was about four years into it, which was a real blow away like I didn't think there was that many people listening but apparently there are Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and then the photography came back into it because um I was mad on photography but went away from it for a bit and then started going to gigs and seeing photos in magazines and you know like when you find out that people are actually listening in like I at one point I've got a friend that listens in from Canada and my brother was actually living in Canada for a while, so he'd round up everybody at work and, you know, listen to my sister, she's in <laughs> Australia, and you listen to our Australian country, mm. you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, like there's, like I said, the photography sort of came back into it and that's where we were. And we were looking through magazines at some of the gigs and Dave said to me, he said, you can take photos as good as this, if not, better. Yeah. And I said, oh, you think? And he goes, yeah, have a fiddle. So we bought the camera. And then the same thing started happening. People was, well, you come into the gig, I need photos. Yeah, okay, not a drama. And I've had, you know, I've had them in the Telegraph, I've had them in the Sydney Morning Herald, I've had them in the Capital Country News, you know, so that sort of took off as well and I've got awards for those photos and they've appeared over all over the place. I've actually got one photo that I took of Tim McGraw at the CMC Rocks. Mm. And it is actually in Tim McGraw's office. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I radio. That's really cool. Yeah, I know. It's freaky, actually. A friend of mine who's a radio fella here, he's a, also well-known over in America because he was a well-known DJ in America. And he saw the photo and he said, I'm going to send that to Tim. And I said, oh, yeah, radio, whatever. <laughs> and he goes, no, seriously. He said, he'll love that. And I said, all right. And then he messaged me back. He said, Tim loved it. And he's going to print it out and he's putting it up on his wall. And I was like, oh, what? Really? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I said, wow. 
you know, so that you have all those life sort of moments where you sit back and pinch yourself and think, wow, you know, and, you know, everything sort of the whole radio thing got down to where I just decided I cut the second show and concentrate on the country after that and, you know, it's just evolved and evolved. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, just been a crazy, hectic 14, it'll be 15 years next year. Yeah. Mm, Can't believe it. What would you say to people who are wanting to get into radio? Do it. Mm. Don't be scared of it because it probably sounds like a funny little thing to say but I look at it as I'm sitting in a box with a microphone talking to myself. So if I'm keeping myself entertained, hopefully I'm entertaining everybody (laughs) else. Don't be scared of it. Like if you've got a genre or a bit of music that you like, even if you like a bit of everything, you can do shows like that, you know. You can do a one-hour show, you can do a two-hour show. If you want to do a three-hour show or two two two-hour shows, you know, especially with community radio, you you know, you can do that. Getting into the commercial side of things, it's a bit more structured and they like things to time where I've often left here with an idea in my head for a show or um, I've used to, before we had Spotify and all those wonderful little things, I'd sit here with a bag full of CDs and go, right, I'm going to play that, play that, play that one, play that one, play that one. And then you sort of get halfway through the show and go, no, I'm not going to play that now. I'm going to play this one instead. You, you can change it around if it's your own show on community radio. It's a lot more fun mm. where with your commercial side of things, like I said, it's very structured and you, everything's to time. And if you go over, if that doesn't matter, they'll cut you off anyway, yeah. you know, where if I want to talk for five minutes on some topic that I'm worked up about or something that's going on in the area, you know, like the Rusty Iron Rally or... Maxwell Show, you know, or the fires, the floods, whatever. If I want to have a talk about those, I can because that's my show. It's my structure and it's a lot better. So were you working during the period of the uh, the 2019 bushfires? Pretty much we had an emergency crew, what we call the emergency services crew. They come on to do like that specialised, they cover the bushfires, they cover the floods, they get all the details I was also doing my show, plus we, you know, put the updates and everything out through the show, but then we had this special group that would just cover, you know, for two hours in the morning at lunch and in the afternoon or whenever something changed, there would be an instant update. So if you're on air, that update comes through to you and you read it through. So it was, you know, pretty hairy sort of time. But my busiest time was keeping the Nambucca Valley Watch page up to date because I'm admin on that. That was probably between radio and the watch page, probably about two hours sleep a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, totally exhausted. But, you know, you there are two elements that keep the, the community up to date with what's going on, you know. And I guess for some people, particularly with radio, you know, that, that may have been the only connection they had to the outside world in that time. There are some people, they only listen to 2NBR because they say they know the people, they know the voices, it's all local content, even down to where we actually were out doing ABC radio with our updates Mm -hmm. for the area because for some reason between Coffs Harbour and Kempsey during those fires, even with the floods, 
Little old Maxwell didn't exist. We weren't here. We yep. were just uh, we were just another little town that was getting flooded, but nobody cared. But yeah. they forgot that you know we got a community of ten thousand plus people, yeah, which is on par with Kempsey, and um, we have outlying areas as well, same as Kempsey, and we're all linked. Like the river system is linked between Coffs Harbour and Kempsey, and we're in the middle of it. So you know why weren't you? Co- same as with the news. You know, like um, Channel 7 and NBN at that time with the floods and with the fires, I had friends that were working as reporters and I'd ring up and I'd go, why didn't you cover this? This is what happened in the valley Mm. and you're not covering it. We were all worried about Russell Crowe's house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Russell Crowe's house, he's fine. Where he lives, he's fine. Yeah. You know, like he did have his crew there, you know, but he's, you know, enough clearance around his house, it wouldn't have burnt. I would have been more worried about Brian Brown and Rachel Ward's house out at Yatungan. Yeah. Which were pretty close. They nearly lost that. Or Slim Dusty's place at Nulla Nulla Creek. Now, come on, that's iconic. Mm. We could have covered that story too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It gets annoying when they, they forget about us and that's, I think, where 2NVR is really important for the local the locals and everybody knows that 2NVR covers local news and local stuff and that's one thing at some point I'd like to actually get is like a proper news, local Nambucca Valley news type thing happening. We've got like the community notice board but just news that's happened, you know, in the, in the area. But it's just getting the time and getting the crew and the team and all of that together to do it. And as we were talking about before, at the moment, I, I haven't got time. <laughs> haven't got time between everything that's going on. So, so consider this a job advertisement. <laughs> yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Well, we've got a good enough. Like we've got a great committee. We've you know, like anywhere, you have good committees and great committees and bad committees. We've been through lulls with committees and some that were pretty proactive and some that were just, oh, it'll be right. You know, it's too NVR. But the committee we've got at the moment, we're pretty active and the president, Donna Collins, I will say her name. She's a, a blessing for 2NVR. She's um, really sort of, you know, she gets everybody motivated. She gets everybody active. She's such a motivating person herself. She doesn't stop. Yeah. And she's my very common feeling at the moment with everything going on in my life. And, you know, she's just got good ideas and good things for 2NVR. That's what she wants to do and that's where she wants to go. So, you know, she sets her mind to a thing and getting the grants to keep us running, getting the – like we've got a good promotions or sponsorship guy. He's really good at getting – chasing people up to sponsor the radio station as well. So, And we need all of those things. We need the grants. We need the sponsorship because without them we just don't go to air. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And we've got to thank council for the – the station at the old Tawinga Hall because they said that we could take over the lease of that hall with the tennis court and the five acres um, to use when we had to move out of Barrowville. So, you know, we've got to think we've got council backing on everything, so it's great. Mm, yeah. Great. Just to finish up, what would you say would be the biggest lesson you've learned from your time in radio and meeting lots of people? Be yourself. Don't be fake. Just be yourself. You will get people that give you one side of them. When you're there, 
and then you hear that the things have been said or someone said something, you know, like I, I have had a few bad experiences through radio as well, but don't let it get you to you. You've just got to accept people for who they are and, you know, and not take things personally. Like, okay, I've got music mates, they come to town, I've promoted their gig, blah, 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 but come to the actual gig and they just haven't got time for you. So yeah. you've got to learn not to take that person. It's not like, oh, he used me just to get the gig promoted. It's, uh, he's busy. He's got fans to deal with. I can talk to him on the phone at any time. Yeah. Special thing I've probably learned is if you've got ideas for things that you want to do with your life, do it. One of my big things was writing a song, which I've always wanted to do. I've always had the ideas. I've got notes everywhere. I wrote a song with a, a young fellow by the name of Angus Gill. And it actually made number three on the radio charts, country radio charts. So if you had told me, you know, 15 years ago, you're going to meet this young fella, you're going to support each other, like he's like my music son, you know, and write a song and it's going to go number three on the charts, I would have gone, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't happen. Just do things that you want to do. Just get out and do it. There's so much I've been doing because of radio and never thought I was confident enough, but I do it. Same as with the MC work, you know, probably. I love doing my MC work and I do a couple of shows in Tamworth every year. I'm locked in for them every year. You know, just give everything a go. If you want to have a go, do it. Just do it. Yep, that's great. Yeah. Great advice. Um, What is the name of that song? (laughs) The song is called The Apron. Okay. And it's about my grandmother, my great-grandmother, Mabel Maud McCoy. It's actually a sad song. We always, we put the little cliche on it when we sent the promos out for it to say, when listening to this song, make sure you've got tissues handy. It's about when she passed away and we're packing her stuff up. And she always wore an apron, you know, those, you see the grandma aprons, you know, the bib and brace type ones and they wrap around it. Unbeknown to a few of us, she had this panel on the inside of it that had hand embroidery of when everybody was born, when they got married, when they got engaged, when they died, special events, you know, like Easter, she just had like a little, and we never really knew about it. And when we were packing her stuff up, I actually found the apron. There it was. Yeah. Amazing. Never seen it. And it was like a family tree. Oh, I'm getting all a family tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, so you can listen to it and we'll all cry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is beautiful and I've had a few people sort of hit me up and say, oh, I played it at mum's funeral or I played it at nan's funeral. I'm going, oh, I don't want to know <laughs> because, you know, that's it's that sort of a song. You know, it really hits the heartstrings and we did the film clip and everything for it and it was just a series of family photos and, you know, all of that. And my couple of my grandkids started in it because we needed the kids you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty emotional but it was great to get it done. Mm, what a gift it is to be able to offer people that that story to connect yeah. to. Yeah, well, that's yeah. you see, and that's why I think I chose Angus or Angus and I got, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> we got together to do it, you know, because he, he was close to his nan too. Yeah. And he knew here, yep. you know. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to start in a minute. (laughs) Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, I'm usually more contained than this. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think you have to be contained. I think, you know, that's that's the beauty of music, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it hits your heartstrings. Yeah. yeah, and that's what they, you see. He, uh, Angus actually wrote a song two years ago. He was only little. He was only about 15 or so when he wrote it called Tea and Biscuits. And that was about sitting down with Nen and having tea and biscuits and having, you know, playing cards and everything. And that's where we connected with that too. We connected in all about our whole the Indigenous story side of things with our families, you know, like the stolen generation and that sort of thing, that all connected to. We're actually quite connected, Angus and I, and I had asked other people to have a look at the notes and the story and everything, and I'm saying some big names in country, and they go, oh, yeah, we'll have a look at that. We'll get back to that. No one ever got back to me, but Angus kept coming back. And you go, you still got those notes? Yeah, yeah, they're there. And you go, okay, all right. And then during COVID, we were both bored. He was stuck in Melbourne and I was stuck here. And he said, let's do that song. So we did it all by Zoom and he'd, I'd send him the notes down and I'd say, I want it like this. And he'd go, oh, okay. And then he'd come back with this and then i go, no, I don't like that. And he'd go, okay. But it was basically my story, a few of my rough amateur written notes and ideas on how to, I wanted the song and he just put the music to it. He edited it. He changed some of the wording and it's just amazing. And then to get it recorded with the likes of Pixie Jenkins playing the fiddle, like Pixie Jenkins actually plays it live with him when they, they're together, that gets you going. You sit in the audience and you see all the grandmas and all the aunties and uncles and everything's all tearing up, you know. But to have Alan Jackson's fiddle player mm. on it, um, I'm not fiddle player, guitar player, slide guitarist, you know, like big fellas from overseas are actually on the recording of the song with Angus singing it. Yeah. And you just sit there and go, that didn't happen, did it? And I, <laughs> I pinch myself every now and then, you know, just to think, oh, wow. Yeah. But it is, it's there. Yeah. You know, and like I said, got number three on the country music charts. So it's just, that was a crazy thing, crazy yeah. I thought he was joking when he rang up and he said, we've made it to number three. And I said, yeah, radio." And he said, go and have a look on the charts. They just came through on the email. Oh, I'm glad I'm sitting down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, um, yeah, it was just one of those sort of things that just happened. And we're in the process of writing another one, but he's busy with recording and producing other artists and everything at the moment and he's planning to go over to Nashville. Yep. So I've got to try and get it finished before he gets to Nashville or I'll pro- I probably won't get him back. That'll be the hard part is getting hold of him. Once he gets to Nashville, he'll be gone. Mm. Australia's going to lose another beautiful person in country over to Nashville. Yeah. You know, we've got a few young guns over there that I think will end up staying. Yeah. And the biggest one we know is Keith Urban. Mm. You know, so we'll see how it goes. He might get sick, might get homesick and come home. <laughs> Well, thank you, Vicky, for sharing a bit of your story. That's okay. Thanks for having me. It's been really interesting. Yeah, great. Thank you. If you'd like to listen to Vicky's song with Angus Gill, you can find the link in the show notes. We love hearing what you think, so please, as always, reach out via our socials at The Valley Hub NV or email us at info at thevalleyhub.com.au. Bye for now. Bye for now.